Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. If you want to relive the feels on Grey's Anatomy, Hulu is here for you. What are you waiting for? Let's go. Every episode of Grey's Anatomy is now streaming on Hulu. Seriously. Every. I'm your person. Every. Now we dance it out. Every. McDreamy. Every. McSteamy. Every Grey's ever. Now streaming on Hulu. And the new season streaming March 15th. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Hey guys, I've been telling you about how we are big fans of Tacova's boots. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style, and service are some of the best features of Tacova's. But now they also have a gift for our listeners. Tacova's will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R E A L F R I E N D S. That's T E C O vas.com and point your toes west. And I remember being like, that is the most effed up thing that I've ever heard in my life where it's like, we, we're looking for a Donald Faison type. I'll go in on the audition and they're like, well, we're looking for a Donald Faison type, but a better version of Donald yeah. Faison. <laughs> Donald Faison-ish, but not right. full Faison. <laughs> right. Don't go full Faison. You on. went full Faison. You, you, Donald Faison, went too far in the Faison direction. Here's some stories about a show we made about a bunch of docs and nurses and a janitor who loved to hate. I said, here's a story. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the rewatch show with Episode Zach and Donald. 102. And now, Donald, you pointed out something very wise, and that is, is that, you know, when you do a pilot, you, you shoot the pilot, and then you have no idea if the show is going to get picked up. Right. And there's often a lot of time between when you shot the pilot and then, let's say, the network says, okay, we're going to make it a series. And then you go and, and you, you go to a thing called the upfronts, which is when your show is selected. You go to a huge party in New York City where they announce, where the network is going to announce all of the new shows. And this right. is a very thrilling thing for a young actor. Absolutely. And also, when Scrubs got picked up, it was considered one of the better pilots of that time. And so when we went to Upfronts, I remember all of the heat that yeah. we had behind us at Upfronts. Like, even the party for all of the Upfront shows was kind of themed towards us, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you know, you get there and you and you and you meet a bunch of 
executives for the first time and you don't really know who they are because nobody really knows executives until you're on the network and somebody tells you, okay, that's my boss and that's his boss and well, et cetera, this, et cetera. That reminds me of a wonderful story about you because we were we were so first we go to the party and it's this amazing party and it's you know, we were just wide eyed. We couldn't believe we were here. I mean, I was waiting tables a few months ago and and uh here we are in New York at this giant party and you have to you take pictures with a lot of people and you know you're getting treated like a celebrity and and you're not no one even knows who you are really yet at least especially in my case and um and then then we go to this party and there were celebrities at the party i remember kevin nealon who i was a huge fan of from snl as an example he was i think my literally might have been one of the first celebrities i i ever met was kevin nealon at this party and i remember thinking like oh my god we're hanging out with with celebrities like we've made it yeah, you know, uh, Sean Hayes was another person who was a big champion. Like, he loved the show, and it was really awesome to have the dude from Will & Grace, who at this point was really famous on television. Yeah, that show is you huge. Know. And, and do you remember any other stars that were at that party? I remember. I just remember because I was such an SNL fan as a kid that I was so geeked out that, that Kevin Nealon was there. I think there may have been some other older SNL uh, faces, but there sure, were other... It was she- it was all the AB. It was like a NBC rich at like any anyone who was on NBC at that time, right? Was at the at the party. Now we proceeded understandably to get quite intoxicated at this party. And oh I my remember, gosh! I remember Bill Lawrence saying like, "All right, guys, just so you know, like, don't like you know, there's gonna be a lot of executives at this party. Like, I understand you're in New York, your lives just changed, but like, don't get shit faced. Right? To <laughs> all of us, all of us." <laughs> All of us shitty. Sarah right. Chalk's famous line. Have you guys ever heard of a cosmopolitan? Yeah. They're great. Sarah, Sarah, stu- <laughs> Sarah stumbled up to us sideways and she's like, Have you guys ever heard of a cosmopolitan? They're great. <laughs> and then we I remember Judy, for some reason at this bar, wasn't there like a a, a trapeze? A, like not a, trapeze, a trapeze, but a, not a trapeze. A, what do you call that thing where you swing on? A trapeze. You swing like, on a trapeze. It feels way too dangerous to have been a real trapeze, but was there? So, it was something like that. It was a bar in the middle. It was like a bar. I think it was uh, on. It was in the in middle the meat, of the bar. It was in the meatpack district. I think it was called Park or something. Anyway. And she was on. I remember her being on the bar and flipping over and just showing everybody, you know, what she had on underneath that dress she wore that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she was. And I remember her husband at the time being like, that's it. We're going home. <laughs> time to go home. <laughs> Let's now, go. Now, my favorite part of the night is Donald was giving everyone noogies. And. Well. Um, all right, let's let's, Don't, let's let me tell the story and then you okay, can clarify. Let me tell the okay, story. Let's start from the beginning now. Okay? Let's start from the very beginning. Okay, okay. So Scott Sassa was the dude that I thought was in charge of all of NBC at the time. I think For he sp- was higher up than than Jeff Zucker, who we're gonna talk about. Jeff Zucker right. was the I believe the president of NBC, who's now but- actually now the president of CNN. But at the time, he was the president of NBC. He had just come from whatever, the Today Show mm-hmm. at the time. And then he'd gone on to be the head of NBC. And I didn't know this. So Donald uh, didn't know who he was. You're going to ruin my story. Donald didn't know who he was. I thought he was Scott Sasson's assistant. And Donald was going around giving everyone noogies. And I look over, and Donald has Jeff Zucker, the president of the network, in a full headlock, and he's giving him a, a, a drunken noogie on his bald head. And I hear Jeff Zucker go, please, Donald, no. <laughs> That's the- <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
And it would love okay for our so, entire friendship. Whenever Donald like tells me a cringy story that makes me want to like run away, I just tell him about please Donald no Jeff Zucker uh, movies. You know, at this point, I'm giving everybody love because I'm so excited that we're we're on the network. It's going down, and I look over and I see Jeff Zucker in my mind, Scott Sass's assistant, right, standing over by the bar. Uh, you know, by himself, or he might even been with somebody. And I'm like, hey, you, come over here. I got noogies to give out. And he's like, he's like, no, 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 no. And I point at him again, and I'm like, and, and I get a little bit more, you know, uh, aggro about it. And I'm like, no, you get over here right now. And he's like, no, 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 no. And so and I march over to him, drunk as can be. Oh, my God, I've seen you march. When Donald marches, his arms swing. <laughs> And I walk up to him and I grab him and I put him in a headlock and I'm like, don't you ever tell me no. And I'm grabbing him and I'm giving Jeff Zucker a noogie. And I remember Bill Lawrence like a few days later being like, dude, uh, Donald, I just have to ask you if this actually happened. <laughs> but did you give Jeff Zucker a noogie? I was like, I gave so many people noogies. I man. gave I so many know. noogies. I can't recall who, who were the recipients of my noogies. I and he was like, well, apparently you gave the head of NBC <laughs> a noogie, and, and he's not really happy about it. Well, he wasn't genuinely pissed off, was he? No, I don't think he was genuinely pissed off, but he stayed away from me yeah, for I remember a he really to, long time. I remember he did come to visit the set, the hospital, and, and he kind of stayed away from you because he was oh, afraid he, of... <laughs> he was very, very afraid of me. Um, yeah. That's very funny. Well, what else do you so so then I remember that night ended where we were in I wasn't there. You were this was you and Neilan. I wasn't there. Oh, really? No. Almost I wasn't there almost everybody uh, ended up back in Bill and Krista's hotel room and we and it's kind of it's sweet slash embarrassing. We were so geeked out. We were like, let's watch our pilot. So we were like it was like a whole bunch of people and Kevin Neilan, who I was a super fan of, and um we just were watching the show. And I, I don't know, it was a sweet moment. I remember being like I'm just thinking, like, I can't believe this is happening. But then the funny thing is you have a long time before you start shooting. So we made the show. It got picked up. My mom freaked out that I was like, that I quit my waiting tables job. She was like, but what? it's so long. What are you going to do? And I was like, I, I, mom, I, I, I can live off this pilot money for a long. I was living so frugally with, with no money that I was like, I can live off this pilot money for a long time. So I'm going to write. And that's in that time is when I really finally sat down and put, Garden State together and at my dining room table, I kind of like, was like, this is a sign. I need to, I have this time that the universe gave me and I don't need to wait tables and I'm going to sit down and like put this script together. That's awesome. Yeah, I went away. I think I did a movie that year. I know I did, I did something in between, but I remember also calling Danny Rose, who was Bill's assistant at the time, every day. Like, so when do we start, man? Like, you know, he's like, and we're going to start probably around June or July. I was like, dude, come on, man. Like, <laughs> like I, it was I, up to Danny. I love you. You're like, come right. on, man. We got to start. <laughs> we got to we got to start soon, man. I I had a baby mama at the time and we had two kids and one on the way. And it was like, I remember being like, I got to get out of here, man. I got to do something. Yeah. Well, you wanted to be working. You wanted to be like doing it. I, well, yeah. And also we had this show that was picked up, but we weren't going to work from, you know, from May until July or, you know, it was a long time. Is that what it was? Time. How many, I remember, I couldn't figure out, was it like four months where we waited and waited? We went back to work probably in the beginning of July, like most shows do, mm -hmm. uh, something like that. Yeah, I just remember being at like four months or something. But anyway, it was so exciting to, to finally start. And uh, so this episode that we're going to talk about today, 102, by the way, just to 
just a little bit of oddness. They uh, label TV shows in the hundreds so you can keep track of what season you're on. So a pilot would be 101, right? And then yeah. episode two would be 102. And then when you start season two, it's 201, 202. So that way you know. Anyway, just a little bit of trivia for you. So this is 102 we're going to be talking about, and it's called My Mentor. Okay, so the show starts off, and I remember singing this song for such a long time. Yeah. But uh, it's it? by um, Rola. It's called Good Time by Leroy, if you guys want to uh, remind yourselves of the song. And it was Rola. the first- I really like, go ahead. You can sing it. Go ahead. I'm sure Leroy would be very Holy happy. Roller. Uh, I got shot down in Southern California. I remember being like, that's a dope song. And that's, this is, you know, for me, Scrubs was a brand new experience when it came to music because I didn't listen to music like this. I listened to other types of music. And right. so this was one of the first examples of me being, of me hearing this and being like, wow, we... And also, also seeing it for the first time too, and it being like a music video. It was like, wow, we're making music videos, and also making a story about how. Look, in the beginning of the show, the hospital's in sync because of this this song that you're listening to in your ear. We're right. on point. Everybody is doing their job. And I also noticed that we we cut ahead a little bit, also. So you're no longer. It's not the very next day. You're no, now. It's, it's a few days in. I've gotten. But I, I just want to say, like, I got, I was watching this, and granted, I haven't watched this in 20 years. Most of these episodes, I don't know about you, but one of the things that's fun about doing this podcast is, with very few exceptions, maybe the musical episode or, 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 or ones I directed, I directed seven or eight of them, I think. I never, I only saw them once. So I haven't seen this in 20 years, and it's so cool to look back. And Adam Bernstein directed this episode. That was the same director who directed our pilot. And I just remember thinking, like you just said, that this was so exciting. We were like, the show was opening like this was stuff I hadn't really seen before in a show. It just showed the creativity of Bill and and Adam Bernstein and the fact that the show is opening with this music video of how life in the hospital when it's grooving is like a well-oiled machine. I just thought it was so clever. Yeah, I took notice of that because I don't, you know, watching this again, this is it all seems a little brand new to me. And yeah. I don't mean to we were a part of the show and so it was just an amazing moment for me. I'm going to sound like, you know, I'm cocky and arrogant, but you know, watching it, I was like, wow, this is a really, really genius way of showing how awesome or how in sync this hospital is. Yeah. And for that, I was like, I love the show even more now. You know, now that it's now that it's 20 years later, I'm like, wow, we really were innovative and we really were different for primetime television. You know, regardless of how many people watched the show at the time, you know, it really still does hold up. Yeah. I have to say, um, and you can be, that's not you being arrogant because we weren't the genius people behind writing it, although we Yeah, were, but we were a part of it. I know, you know I, I mean? know, but I'm saying- And you had a really big part about, it. you know, you did, you told the story. I know, but I'm just saying like this, I think, you know, as credit to, to Bill and all the writers, this was just so original and, and, and different and exciting. By the way, how funny is it that I have a Walkman? <laughs> it must be 2001. I guess there were still cassette Walkmans. I would have thought it would have been a disc, but uh, I guess JD had a, had a mix on a cassette. Dude, you know, <laughs> speaking of Walkmans, well, we we could talk about it after season one. But I just remember you walking the streets of New York City with your yellow Walkman, listening to Michelle Branch. Yeah, you're, you're everywhere, everywhere to me. 
When I close my eyes, it's you I see. That was my jam. I am not yeah, ashamed dude. about loving Michelle Branch. I remember you walking out Did the I house. Did a yellow like, Walkman? It was a yellow Walkman, the Sony Walkman. The dope Sony Walkmans that everybody, if you had the yellow Sony Walkman, you had the dope, you know, everything else was all right, but that was the one, right? And I remember you being like, well, I'm out. I'm going to rehearsal. And that was when we were both in New York living together and you were yeah. doing uh, that's Shakespeare a whole, in the that's Park. That's a whole episode is Donald and I living together in Manhattan. We rented a loft together. He was doing a movie and I was doing Shakespeare in the Park. And I would go out and bop my head with my yellow Walkman cranking. You're everywhere to me. When I close my eyes, it's you, Izzy. <laughs> I'm not alone. Dude, I, I think it's very much... JD, that you had a Walkman with a cassette tape in it. Yeah. Um, I noticed that the first exterior shot is still not our hospital. They At two minutes in, they cut to, which was an establishing shot from the pilot of me coming to work for the first day. I think that's the very, that's the same shot, exact same shot they used in the pilot of me showing up to work for the first day. Do you remember going to that hospital and us shooting a bunch of entrances, like me and you walking in, you walking in by yourself, you and Sarah walking in? Yeah. Do you remember all of that? Yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, but that was that was for the pilot, right? No, that was for the show itself. Oh. We did a bunch of we did a bunch of versions of us walking into this hospital. Oh, okay. And some of it never got used. And but at a certain point, they, at a certain point, they just stopped using this exterior because it was not our exterior at all. I don't know where right. the, or the hell that was. I noticed that this episode has a lot to do with relationships. You know what I mean? And how mm. we all started off kind of on rocky ground. You and I had the same relationship and you and the janitor have the same relationship all the way through. But everyone else, no matter how it's connected, has a different relationship in this episode. At this point, you don't mind being in the friend zone with Elliot. And as a matter of fact, he thinks it's kind of cool that, you know, he has a colleague from work that wants to hang out with him mm-hmm. and and Turk. Turk and Carla aren't together yet. You know what I mean? They're just starting their courtship. You and Dr. Cox, even though he's still giving you advice and stuff like that, I also noticed that this is the first time he calls you a woman's name Yeah, in I noticed show. that too. I think it's right around where he catches them smoking, yeah. right? Yeah, he calls you Susan. But right. this is, you know, uh, you guys weren't in sync yet, so you don't really know this guy. And you're trying to get to know him, or JD's trying to get to know him, but they don't really know each other that well yet. And uh, I'm jumping ahead, but that stuff in his apartment is phenomenal, dude. Yeah. I, Going back and looking at it, I was like, I had no idea, one, that it was this funny, and two, that it was this important, you know what I mean? Like, I had no clue. Watching it back then, it kind of seems like a blur, and, you know, to be honest with you, most of this episode, I don't remember. Yeah, there's but, things There's things I don't remember. I don't remember my, I, it's funny, uh, I don't remember my head exploding. <laughs> I mean, really? No, I don't. I mean, I remember, I don't remember doing that gag. I, a lot of the stunts and stuff, I, I remember. I remember falling over when he closes the door on my, on my leg and stuff, but the head exploding, I don't remember shooting that. But I, I want to just pick up what you said. I agree. A lot of it is about establishing these relationships that we're going to follow ultimately for nine seasons. And also, Judy really comes through in this episode. Judy Reyes says, Carla. Amazing. She does some awesome work. And it's establishing a really important theme that I think comes across throughout the whole series is that we young doctors are learning the importance of nurses because we come out of medical school and we're super cocky and we think we're going to be badasses, but we're, we learn right off the bat, you know, not to be cheesy and say the theme song, but we, we can't do this all on our own. We need the help of the nurses. And 
every doctor we ever talked to in doing research would say, yeah, I mean, the nurses run the show. You, you know, if you're, if you're a layman and you don't know, you have no idea how much work and pressure and stress the nurses are all constantly under. Right. And I was thinking about that now, especially with the corona crisis going on and watching all the news. And I was really, I don't know, extra moved by it in this episode, seeing like that those nurses are just working their asses off. And Sarah's character in particular needs to learn that like, no, no, we're a team. And, you're, and, and you need to like check your, your arrogance at the door. And this is really about like, we're going to do this together. And, and you need the nurses to be on your side. Absolutely. Absolutely with that. I agree with you 100%. It's true. Nurses are the heart and soul of the hospital. Just to piggyback on what you said about Sarah, though, a perfect example of someone who is not sincere about their apology is when they apologize to you and then it's followed with, but just to yeah. be clear, you know what I mean? Yeah. And she totally does that in this episode. And everything that happens to her after this is because of how she just consistently put her foot in her mouth throughout this episode. Right. And I wonder if it, I don't, I don't remember if it carries on through this season, but through the career of the show, through the show, her character always had the worst luck. Yeah, well, again, that comes from her life, too. I mean, Sarah is a klutzy gal. She'll be the first to admit when she comes on our show. Right. And Sarah would come in from the weekend every single time, without fail, every single Monday morning, <laughs> and be like, you guys are not going to believe what happened to me this weekend. And she would go on to tell the craziest story that you would be like a once in a, in a two-year period to a normal person, something like this would happen to you. And it would happen to Sarah every weekend. And we'd be, we'd be like, Sarah, you're, you're putting us on. It can't, that can't have happened to you this weekend. And she was like, no, <laughs> you're not going to believe it. And then on top of that, da 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 And right. then my keys was- fell. And then my wedding ring got lost. And da 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 I remember one story was like a car lost control and started barreling down a hill. Yeah. And her fiance at the time. Had to grabbed- jump in the car. Or grabbed a kid out of the way or something yeah. like that. I remember yeah. being and then like, there was a, then her Then her wedding ring fell down a gutter. And, and every every weekend, it was like, it was like here we go. And Sarah would have a half hour story like, you guys. And she was always breathless. She'd be like, you're not going <laughs> to believe what da 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 Donald, at 2.54, one of the most important characters in Scrubs history is introduced. A character very near and dear to our hearts named Rowdy. Yes, absolutely. I, I made that note also. Holy cow. Rowdy, that joke, when, I, when we were filming it, I was like, this is the oddest thing I've yeah. ever done in my life. This is a stuffed dog. Right. And we're going to pretend like it's our pet. I think Bill, we'll have to ask him. Let's make a note to ask him when he comes on. But I think that the idea was that some doctor had told him that they never had time uh, to have a pet, especially when they were just starting out because the, their hours were so insane. And so he, he thought it would be funny if, um, if we got a taxidermied pet. I mean, that's the oddest thing I've ever heard of in my life. I know. Just, I mean. Where did they find that thing? Exactly. Who in their right mind was like, you know what? I miss Buster. No, I think people do. I'm going to stuff him. I do think it's a thing. I mean, I really? do think, I'm sure out there are fans, if you're listening, you can write in and tell us. But I do think there are people that taxidermy their pet. Okay. I, d- I don't understand. Joelle, don't- have you ever heard of this? Joelle's nodding. She has heard of this. Barbara Streisand, Barbara Streisand, uh, I believe, has taxidermied and cloned her dogs. She clones her dog because she loves it so much. I think she's on like volume five. We have the technology to clone animals. Yeah, you can clone your dog. You didn't know that? I did not know that. Yeah, you can clone your dog. It all started with Dolly the sheep. Remember they cloned the sheep, Dolly? 
that I thought that was like only a couple of years ago, and that I thought was many, that was many years ago. And then since since now, if you're Barbara Streisand, I'm sure it's very expensive. You can clone your dog. <laughs> so Rowdy was taxidermy. Now I tried to get Rowdy when the show was over, and right. um, I, I listen. We did nine years. I I said to Bill, the only thing I want from everything is Rowdy. I think it would be a wonderful souvenir for me to have. And he said sure. And then the people at Disney who own the show said no. You can't have Rowdy. He belongs to Disney. And I, th- I pictured like, you remember at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, how they, they, they put the Ark of the Covenant w- way in the back. And I pictured yeah. Rowdy going into like a, an endless, infinite, uh, of, you know, um, warehouse, warehouse right. in the back. And like the forklift is going by like other taxidermy dogs. And he's going like way, way, way in the back. Right, the dog from Frasier's taxidermy. Exactly, (laughs) And I was just so bummed. So when I made my film, Wish I Was Here, that you were in, very, very funnily, as the Ashton Martin dealer, I I said to Disney, hey, for the Scrubs fans, I thought it'd be funny if I put Rowdy like in the back of a scene, like like an Easter egg for them to find. And I said, can I borrow the dog just to put, you know, just a little Easter egg for everybody. They said, uh, we will, but we're going to send him with a bodyguard. Wow. Because we're worried that you're going to try and steal him once he's delivered. So they sent Rowdy with a handler. They sent the taxidermy dog with a handler. I feel like that's understandable, though, because I feel like if they didn't send the dog with the handler, somewhere along the way, the dog would have got lost. I wasn't going to steal the dog. I was going to be on my best behavior. Listen. He didn't look good, though, by the way. He looked, he looked, he did not look as good as he, he he looked thin. (laughs) They, they, I, I remember, I know it makes no sense, but I remember when he showed up on set with his bodyguard thinking like he doesn't look good. He's not right. being taken care of. Right, he's not being taken care of at all. Like one of I, his paws was all janky and like I had to like glue it. Tacovas are one of my favorite boot brands. They're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots but they've made some innovations in comfort, style, and service. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. Whenever I slip on my Tacova's boots, I feel the cowboy magic, Donald. They're tough enough for getting dirty, but classic and stylish enough for a night out on the town. If you ever wonder if you can pull off cowboy boots, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas. You'll see. They'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear. If you can't make it into a store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. It's about a $30 value, and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code REALFRIENDS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, read a book, show up for a friend? A lot of people spend their lives wishing they had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? 
The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it your priority. Therapy, personally for me, has helped me a lot focus on my goals. And you've heard me talk on the podcast of the whole idea of whiteboarding and manifesting and, and really getting clear with myself what I want to accomplish in my life and where I want to set my sights. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RealFriends today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash RealFriends. Daylight savings time is starting up again for most states. The goal? To give everyone more daylight from March through November. By setting clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash realfriends. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash real friends. Once again, that's ziprecruiter.com slash real friends. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. If you want to relive the feels on Grey's Anatomy, Hulu is here for you. But what are you waiting for? Let's go. Every episode of Grey's Anatomy is now streaming on Hulu. Seriously. Every. I'm your person. Every. Now we dance it out. Every. McDreamy. Every. McSteamy. Every Grace Ever, now streaming on Hulu. And the new season streaming March 15th. Do you remember the prop master who hid Rowdy? I don't know if this is Scrubs Urban Legend or not, but go ahead, you tell it. Well, I, I just know that we had a prop master who didn't work out. Yes, he was, he was let go. Right, and... To get back at production, he decided that he was going to hide Rowdy. In the ceiling. Is that where he hit it? Well, as the Scrubs <laughs> urban legend goes, he was let go and he was angry about being let go. And then, you know, we were in the hospital that had all those, you know, lowered tiled ceilings that you see in hospitals. And apparently he he hid Rowdy up in the ceiling tiles above the prop room. <laughs> That's when, by the way, that's when everyone started to be like, oh shit, if we lose Rowdy, this is bad. We need a backup. And that's when they got Steven. Right. But they had like three or four different Rowdies though. So no, I'm there was saying, just two. There was Rowdy and uh, there was Steven. Do you remember? Because uh, there was a whole episode where- Where Judy, uh, which, where- And then I feel their balls. And then I feel their balls. And I'm like, nope, that's Steven. That's Steven. <laughs> So in the world of Scrubs, JD had memorized the two different dog, taxidermy dogs, ball sacks. Yeah. Nope, that's Steven. Um, so okay. let's talk about our apartment set, because this is the first time you're seeing our apartment. This was built into the hospital. You know, normally you'd have a set like this on a soundstage, but in order for us to do the whole show at this abandoned hospital, Cabot McMullen, our genius production designer, found a way to... Uh, 
to build all of this into, I don't know what, what it was. It was like the urgent care wing or something? What? No, it, this wasn't in the urgent care wing. This was actually in the basement of the hospital. Urgent care turned out to be... The bar. The bar and all of that stuff, right. Yeah. But this was, this was actually right by the children's ward in the hospital. Right. So if you went... They knocked uh, out some walls. And so this, this, was, this was in, you know, this looks like a pretty damn good apartment, but it was in, uh, in the hospital. Yeah, it was also the loading area also. So when they would cut, and at night when they wanted to bring things into the hospital, on the other side of the wall, there was this big garage door that you could open up and load all the equipment. I remember it was always incredibly hot, right? Because there was no, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be a, a, a soundstage with lights and everything. The whole hospital was on fire because, you, you know, you couldn't run the air condition when we were running. Like we had, used to have the tubes. Remember right. we would have the tubes? Oh my God. They'd have a tube and wrangler. Even in our dressing rooms, they gave us like halfway through season one, they gave us our own little air conditioning units to keep us cool because right. the hospital got so hot in the summer. Right. And, but I remember, so the air, there wasn't air conditioning in the hospital and so they had these exterior units, and they, they had these tubes. I'm, I'm sure you've seen them. They, they were like, I don't know, two feet in diameter. They'd be running everywhere to try and make this comfortable, but they were, it, was, it was someone's full-time job to try and wrangle the tubes. Yeah. So what I noticed about this episode, I kept waiting for one line that made it into the promo for the first episode but wasn't in the first episode, and that's when Elliot says to me, Hey, uh, when did you meet Morgan Freeman? I laughed out loud when that line came up. I mean, I, I knew it was coming. And, you know, there's some jokes in this that even though you know them, I just laughed out loud when I heard that. It's just, that was so friggin' funny. Yeah, I, I laughed my ass off. And you know what's really that's funny That's my about, mom. Yeah, but that's not even the funny part. The funny part is she goes, she has lovely freckles. <laughs> I, love her, I love her freckles. <laughs> I love her freckles. Okay, so the next thing I wrote down was um, Todd, the introduction of Rob Maschio. And Rob kind of is this guy, right? I mean, he not that he was like, a, I mean, I don't mean, not that he was a womanizer like this, but he was kind of like a funny, funny, jockey mm -hmm. kind of guy. Right, absolutely. He was very well, he was a pretty good athlete, you know what yeah. I mean? Took really good care of his body and stuff yeah. like that. I remember uh, he told me he ate a pint of Ben and Jerry's every day, which I always found amazing because he would have to work out like that much extra to work off a pint of Ben Jerry's a day. Yeah. So he must have worked out a ton to have his his Todd body. And he was a lot older than us at the time, too. I think he's you know 75 I mean? in this episode. Right. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, he does look good. I don't I remember he wasn't like like that old, but I remember he was older than us. He was a lot older. He was like in his I'm gonna say 30 something. We were 20 something, and he was like 35, 36. Rob's gonna come on the podcast. And I, I really enjoyed the fact that. You know, you do projects and sometimes they don't really put the effort in to develop, you know, these romantic relationships with the characters. And I really enjoyed the effort put into Carla and Turk's courtship and yeah. how, you know what I mean? And how it became a storyline in the show. And it wasn't just something that from the beginning they had chemistry and now they're dating. You know, Turk had to work for it. Carla had to work for it. Mm -hmm. And then and the ultimate thing was at the end they you know they're they're married with kids and stuff like that. I love that we see their growth from the pilot to this episode and then as the show goes along. You guys were such a good yin yang for each other too. I mean, you're, you know, the sort of silly jockey surgeon and she's just like so smart and and clever and and 
kind of running the entire hospital. And I just thought the way that they they wrote your flirtation and your and your chemistry was really, and you guys performed it really really well. Can I tell them the story about what Casey first said when I tried to set you up? Absolutely. We were in the we were in a nightclub, Donald and I, and I see Casey Cobb, the beautiful Casey Cobb, across the club, and uh, she was with Jessica Simpson because she was um, she is her assistant. A, she was her assistant, and now they're like best friends. And I knew them just as acquaintances. And Donald had such a crush on Casey. He was just staring at her like, just like doe-eyed, like couldn't, couldn't even think about other stuff. Wouldn't even, wouldn't, just like lost. But finally, I, I got the courage to go up to Casey. And I'm like, hey, um, so I'm trying to be the best wingman in the world. And I'm like, hey, so. Dude, I, I appreciate you 100% for this. So I was like, hey, my, my buddy really likes you. He really thinks you're really beautiful. And she goes, who? And I, and I point over, like, not over to Donald. And she goes, doesn't he have, like, nine kids? <laughs> <laughs> and I always thought that was so funny. Cut to them getting married in my backyard. Yeah, at the time, I didn't have nine kids. I only no. had four. I had you four. You had four, but it was a funny, sassy line from her. Yeah. And uh, your charms obviously worked because uh, however many years later, they were married in my backyard. Yeah, thanks to... You being a great it, wingman. It all started with a wingman line. I remember me being like, yeah, will you go over there and talk to her for me? And you being like, are you fucking kidding me? Go over yourself. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And you're like, oh. No, I, and think I, remember I, you, I think I got the courage. I got the courage. No, you did get the courage, but you went over there and then you came back and I'm like, well, what did she say? <laughs> <laughs> did I tell you or did I lie yeah, to you? Yeah, you? you told me right It'd away. Funny you funny if like, I lied to you. No, no, no. You told me right away. You're like, dude, she was like, doesn't he have like nine kids? And I remember being like, oh, no. Because I was like, that's what the ladies in California think. That's what Hollywood thinks about me. I'm the dude with all the kids. Well, oh, it's, funny no. that, it's funny that like she wasn't like, oh, no, he's not cute. Or, oh, no, he's not funny. Or, oh, no, I don't think he's funny on TV and movies. She was just like, doesn't he have like nine kids with her southern right. accent? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this should be an inspiration to you. Men and women out there who think you can't possibly get that person you have a crush on. And they might even open with a line equivalent to doesn't he have like nine kids. But if you just are persistent like Donald was, you could one day get persistent. married in my backyard. All right. Should we move on? To, oh, are we talking about Rob running line? Because I always thought that was funny. So Rob, Absolutely. as a testament to Rob Mascio, who played Todd, he would take it so seriously. And I'm not making fun of Rob because I get it. He didn't have a lot to do in every episode. And he would always make sure he was doing the best he could. And, uh, but sometimes we'd look over, and he would just be running his one line over and over and over again. <laughs> Air five. Yeah. Air five. Yeah, and we just see him Air in the five? corner. Like, we'd, I'd be like, Donald. Air five. Rob's over there running line. Air five. Yeah. Air High five. five. High five. Air five. Air five. <laughs> and they really did hurt those, those friggin' Rob high fives, for what it's worth. I was about to say, it seemed like you got used to it after a while. No, they really hurt. And the whoosh noise was added, but man, they really hurt. Sarah digging the grave at around eight minutes and 46 seconds. That's become like a popular meme. I always see like, you know, when fans send us gifts and memes and I see them on the internet, on the interwebs, that's one I always see is, it's funny watching it when you go, oh, that's that meme I've seen before. But that Sarah digging is one people use when like they're putting their foot in their mouth digging the grave. I forgot. I totally forgot about that. And so when I saw it, it was really refreshing and really it was funny, huh? Yeah, it was very funny. And then they throw dirt on her, too, at her rose. That's a great joke. The next thing I wrote down was, oh, the would you like to play a game thing with the robot voice. Do you remember what movie that's from? Of course. 
War Games. Yes. One of my favorite movies. And then the other one was from Buck Rogers. Beedy, 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 beedy. Hey, oh, Buck. Beedy, I didn't beedy, know beedy, that beedy. one. That's Buck Rogers. But War Games, would you? How about a thermonuclear war? Remember that how movie? How about, an, yeah, it was Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy. Of course I remember that You're movie. You're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen War Games. I need you to put it on after this podcast is over because it is such a good movie. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to put it on after the podcast. No, I think, but, yeah. Well, not during. Right. I remember being a kid and thinking, well, everything Matthew Broderick did when I was a kid, I just thought was incredible. I just wanted to be Matthew Broderick. Especially in War Games. In War Games and in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes, of course. I mean. He's kind of the same character. <laughs> well, kind of sort. In War Games, he was like a kid that didn't have a lot of friends. In Ferris Bueller, he was the king of the He's school. such a good actor, though, in War yeah. Games, you know? By yeah. the way, a little trivia, they made a sequel to War Games that the writer-director had nothing to do with. Um, what was even, it called? I don't know. Joelle will insert that here later in her voice. War Games, The Dead Code, which came out in 2008, uh, directed by Stuart Gillard. Yeah, but neither the two stars, Ali Sheedy or, or Matthew Broderick, were in it, right? No. All right, well, that, that one's not, the sequel is not Zach and Donald approved, but the, the first movie is. Oh, I just, 1133, I just wanted to point out that's the very first time we saw the lounge, our doctor's lounge, where so many of, much of the show ends up taking place, and the introduction of Doug. I didn't realize Doug got introduced so early. Neither did I. I, I didn't realize that either. I also remember that Pac-Man machine and how when we were working, that was an actual real working Pac-Man game. Right. And... I would get kicked off a set. I remember Franklin Gottbetter and Scott Harris kicking me up. These were the uh, first ADs on Scrubs. Assistant directors, yeah. I remember them kicking me off set because I kept trying to get the high score on Pac-Man. I remember that Pac-Man game. And I remember when they finally made it so the Pac-Man game didn't work and I was so pissed off. At a certain point, they made it so it wouldn't function even if you plugged it in. They got wise. I loved that. I thought that was the coolest set piece ever. Well, I was happy to see Doug because uh, he's very funny. And um, I remember in the Wizard of Oz episode, which I directed, uh, one of the funniest lines he ever said, which was, dead people should be dead. Do you remember when I come back to life? I do remember. Why are you hitting me? I thought you were dead. (laughs) Why are you hitting me? Because dead people should be dead. I would have done the same thing. Okay. I thought at 1350, there's a cool moment where, where just stylistically, Adam Bernstein, again, just sort of setting up the style of the show where everyone's looking into the lens talking to me. Right. And then it cuts to Judy and she does it. And then she looks down and the camera pulls back and I'm next to her. I just and then thought, she looks at you. I yeah. just, stylistically, that was really kind of a cool thing. That was pretty cool. Adam sort of set the bar early on as the director of episode one and two that, that the camera was going to be a character in the show. And every director that came on after would add their own little bit of style to it, especially in this first season you know, figuring out innovative ways to move the camera and, and to do kind of camera shots and trick shots. Adam really, he did us a great service, him and Bill, by giving us something. In hospital shows, it's really about the doctors and the nurses and everything like that. Adam and Bill found a way to make the hospital a character in the show. Mm-hmm. And they found a way to do that early on. You know what I mean? So when you're there, it's never the same. It doesn't feel like, you know, I'm watching a hospital procedural or I'm watching, it's something wacky about it. There's something different about it. And I think that really helped with telling uh, the story, you know, of JD and his group of friends in this hospital. Yeah. And Adam, I think Adam really set the tone for that. And I remember him 
And of course, the next few that come up, you know, all, all the directors in this in this first batch, I think um, Mark Buckland's another one coming up that really helps set the style and the look. Some things were phased out, as I said, um, the whip noises, like yeah. when you go, when you're yeah. moving your hands. Yeah. So there was a lot of sound effects, obviously, but that whip thing is like one thing they toned down. This high school fantasy that starts at 15 minutes or so is so funny. So well done, don't you think? Hilarious, dude. The fact that they put the pimples on her and the braces and <laughs> yeah. put her in band stuff. And then all of us being like the cool kids and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, uh, Aloma is, the, I guess, really the only nurse from the pilot that made it all the way through because there's people that surrounded Judy where I'm like, I don't recognize any of these people. I recognize a few. On. I recognize a couple of the women. By the way, none of the people who became like major background people that we focused on are, are in any of these episodes. It'd be interesting when we, as we go to watch, it'll be interesting to see when we see their first appearances. Like, yeah, I saw one dude who was this bald guy and he kind of looks like Colonel Doctor, but he's a bald headed guy. And he shows up in so many scenes like back to back to back to back to back. Yeah. Let's talk about how in Cox's apartment, that looks like a set, dude. No, it's so bad. First of all, <laughs> looks like a set, dude. Not to diss uh, Cabot because I'm sure that at this time they were already out of money. But um, this is the only set so far that looks like they just put a couch into, into like, a hospital a, room. Into, into a hospital room. Like there's so many things on the walls that are like, why is there a speaker on the side of his wall at his house? Not only that, why is that big window there that goes? Nowhere. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. And then we we justify it by making a joke about like, oh, your apartment is so cold. But I was like, wow, man, they I think this is a there was the first moment like, where is he where does he live? But does he live in the hospital? <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I love this scene between me and Johnny. And this is one of the funniest lines of Scrubs I remember. Do you want to be the big spoon or the little spoon? I had no idea what spooning was. I knew that you could spoon like us. I know what spooning was, but I didn't know that you could be there was a big spoon and a little spoon. I had no idea that that existed. And that kind of was like, ooh, a little spoon. <laughs> that whole scene is hilarious. You know what I mean? Really Even good. when he kicks you out and he gives you the lesson and he's like, now come here, let me give you a hug. And you're like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, come on, come on, come on, give me a hug. And you're so like, mean. Uh, uh, and he's like, come on, give me a hug. And you go up for the hug. He's like, ah, oh, get out of here. Uh, yeah. Very funny. Very he's funny. He's so good. And I really oh, just. So good. I really just like that scene between the two of us. It really kind of showed the dance of, with, with Johnny C where it was going to be like, you know, fucking with me a ton and, and really, but then eventually there'd always be a lesson underneath it. And, and right. you know, he'd always drop in and be a good mentor. I mean, that's one this is called, my mentor. So he's doesn't want to be my mentor, doesn't be my mentor. And in the end, he finally drops some knowledge. Like, you can't save these people. All you can do is do your best. You're not responsible for changing people's habits. You can't make someone who's going to smoke not smoke. And I, I know that this is something and uh, that doctors must deal with all the time. They wish they could make their patients stop eating that fast food. They wish they could make their patients stop smoking, whatever it is. Johnny's trying to teach JD early on, like, you don't have control over, over that. You can only do what you can do. I, I had made a note on that also. When doctors come into the hospital for the first few months, maybe even more than that, they take everything so personal. And that's great to have that type of attitude. But if you continue that type of attitude, it's going to be really hard for you to make it as a doctor. You know right. what I mean? And that's what JD had to experience. You know what I mean? JD cared so much about Will and, you know, and Will quitting his cigarette addiction. And he thought, that that was a bonding experience between him and Dr. Cox. You know, dude, I know you're thinking about it. 
and uh, let's talk it over so we can come back in tomorrow with a game plan and stop this dude from smoking cigarettes. And at the end of the day, that wasn't your job. Your job is to test and treat. You know what I mean? That was JD's job. Let's test him and see what ailments he has. And any ailment we find, we're going to treat and try and save him from. Mm-hmm. All of this extracurricular activity of you giving a crap about, you know, how he got here, that's not in the cards. Because at the end of the day, if this person does pass away, how do you develop the strength to get up again if you were so, so invested in this person's well-being? Mm-hmm. And as much as that sucks to hear, that's how doctors have to be. That's yeah. how nurses have to be. They're going to deal with death. They're going to deal with life. They're going to deal with disease. They're going to deal with all of these things. And how do you put up a shield so at the end of the day, if you do lose somebody, you can come back the next day and do your job? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, well said. And that was what Cox was trying to prepare JD for. Yeah, early on, early on in the show, because like he's like, you need to get used to this. Uh, This is not, you're not going to be able to save every single person and change all their habits. By the way, I'm looking at the credits, and I see that John Ducey, who was the guest star as Will, his character's name, Will Forte. And was there some connection to Will Forte? Did someone, yeah, wasn't there someone, one of our writers was partnered with Will Forte? I I do believe you're right. I think it was Schwartz. Schwartz? I think it was Schwartz, yeah. Speaking of Mike Schwartz, Zach, the show that that I shot all last year, Emergence, which is on ABC, which is another Disney show, the creators of that show wrote on Ed back in the day with a young Mike Schwartz. Oh, really? That must yeah. be where Bill uh, found him. Maybe. Oh, yeah, Ed came first, because I remember when the show Ed was on and Tom Cavanaugh's picture went up on billboards, and I still didn't have a job, my mom would call me and be like, there is a show <laughs> where this guy looks exactly <laughs> like you, and and he's on billboards everywhere. And I remember it, thinking like, great, yeah, that's not me, Mom. Um, it's kind of it's kind of crazy how he came on to be your brother later on. I know, I know. I wish they I wish they would have had I wish you would have had two brothers. I wish it would have been him and then Dax Shepard as your other brother. I know. I get this thing. I don't know what it is about my face, but people tell me I look like so many different people. Now, obviously, Dax Shepard's the most common these days. But right. I used to get Tom Cavanaugh and. Uh, Ray Romano. Yeah, I remember Ray Romano. Yeah. Yeah, I, I finally, early on when our show launched, everyone was saying that I was like young Ray Romano. And I remember Ray, I met Ray Romano like on a press line somewhere and he looked at me and he was like, oh, it's like looking in a mirror. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember if he was finding the comparison uh, funny or not. Tacovas are one of my favorite boot brands. They're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've made some innovations in comfort, style, and service. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. Whenever I slip on my Tacova's boots, I feel the cowboy magic, Donald. They're tough enough for getting dirty, but classic and stylish enough for a night out on the town. If you ever wonder if you can pull off cowboy boots, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas. You'll see. They'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear. If you can't make it into a store, 
Tacovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tacovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovis has said they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tacovis.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. It's about a $30 value, and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code REALFRIENDS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. If you want to relive the feels on Grey's Anatomy, Hulu is here for you. But what are you waiting for? Let's go. Every episode of Grey's Anatomy is now streaming on Hulu. Seriously. Every. I'm your person. Every. Now we dance it out. Every. McDreamy. Every. McSteamy. Every Grey's ever. Now streaming on Hulu. And the new season streaming March 15th. Let me tell you guys, my family loves our Helix Sleep Mattress. Ever since we've got it, we've had some of our best sleep yet. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Everybody is unique, and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Not only is the mattress the best I've slept on, but the setup was fast and easy. Helix mattresses are delivered in a box straight to your door for free. Helix is offering 20% off of all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash realfriends and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Can you tell the story about how when we went to Vegas and I was in the bathroom and I was washing my hands and I left and the guy goes, oh, you know who that was, right? Do you remember the story? Unfortunately, I remember the story, but I forgot the punchline. So you're going to have to tell it. So we're in Vegas and we're hanging out. It's us, Josh Radin, our buddy, Carrie Brothers, and Michael Weston, who also at some point was on the show. Yeah, came but on I, the show as private dancer. Right, right. right. <laughs> uh, but 
Carrie and Josh both had music on the show, if I remember correctly, right? Yes. Right. So we're all in Vegas. We go to Vegas. It's our first time going to Vegas to as a group. And we're, you know, we're very young and we've we've got a little bit of money at this point to spend in Vegas. We had a really good time. We stayed at the MGM Grand. They hooked it up for us. The story, as I even correct, is I, I was in the bathroom, Donald was in the bathroom, and Donald washed his hands and then he left. And the, other, the person that was in there said to his friend, you know who that was? And in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, Donald getting recognized. And the, and the guy goes, who? And he goes, that was Urkel. <laughs> that was fucking Urkel, dude. And they were like freaking out that Urkel had been in the bathroom with them. I love that. What about I love that? To, the, to this day, I you know, to this day, I it, it, anytime I could be mentioned in the same story as Jaleel White, Tay Diggs, all these people who are like, you know, iconic for being really good at playing a character or, you know, Jaleel went on to do Stefan Urkel, which was really freaking awesome. And it showed his range as an actor and everything like that. Anytime I could be mentioned in the same story, like one time Quest Love hit me up. It was like, yo, somebody said I look like you. And I was like, that's the best day ever, dude. I remember I um, when we first became friends and we'd go out and about, no one knew who I was at all, but some people would, would know Donald's name, but a lot of people would just be like, yo, yo, clueless. Clueless. <laughs> they would just yell clueless at you, right? Yeah. All the time. Dude. Yo, clueless. Clueless. Yeah. Yo, clueless. clueless. And, then they would, and then they'd point to you and be like, yo, clueless bought his friend, yo. Clueless <laughs> bought his friend. Look at clueless's friend. That's clueless and clueless's friend. That story has a horrible ending, though, man. What's it has ending? a horrible. Well, the ending is you know, you did Garden State and all of a sudden you became Zach Braff and people were like, oh shit, Zach Braff. And look who he's hanging out with. He's got clueless with him. <laughs> that's not what happened. But that is funny. what happened. That's funny. I just remember, you know, it's funny the thing, the things that people yell at you on the street. Like you don't get clueless anymore, I'm sure. But I no, but I get a lot of black scrub. Thanks to Family Guy, I get a lot of black scrubs. Yeah, and get scrubs, and you know. Yeah, I got. I get. Where's Turk all the time? Yeah. Sometimes people will know my name and they just talk to me right away, and I, I can't figure out if I know them in real life or. They just know me as an actor, and especially when I when I'm in New York, because I, I live there part of the year, and uh, people just walking down the street just start talking to you, and you you don't yeah. want to be I don't want to be rude as, at all, but I'm trying to think of like, do I know this person or do they just know my name? One time I was parallel parking in Manhattan and it was going horribly, and uh, some guy walks by, he's like, "You're killing it, Braff," and, <laughs> <laughs> and I just couldn't remember. Like I just was like, "Do I know that person? I don't think I know that person. They're just." Give me shit. That happened to me recently at Starbucks before this whole quarantine thing happened. I was at Starbucks and a guy comes up to me. He goes, Donald, how you been, man? And I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? He's like, you know, I'm good. And then I realized, oh, I don't know this guy. I was like, wait, how do, how do we know each other? And he says, oh, dude, I'm just such a huge fan of yours. And I remember thinking, holy cow, that's how you get caught out there, dude. From here on out, if somebody says to me, Donald, how's it going? And I don't know who they are. I'm not going to be embarrassed anymore. Because there's that moment of embarrassment where you're like, wait, uh, uh, I, right. so, I you don't want to, you don't want to, you, you don't want to hurt, like, yeah, hurt, hurt, hurt anybody's feelings. Oh, I thought of another person that I used to really get a lot before was uh, Anne Hathaway's boyfriend that went to jail. Do you remember that guy? I don't. He was involved in some, uh, I think it was business or money crime, something, but he went to jail and I walk in, this is years ago, I walk into the, a coffee bean and I walk in and I see Arsenio Hall and he's looking right at me. And I don't think, I don't remember, ever met Arsenio Hall, but I was kind of geeked out because I loved Arsenio Hall. 
And he kind of smiled at me. He brought me over to the end of the counter where they deliver the coffees. And there, you can hear the music. Oh, is Eddie Murphy standing there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like having one of the greatest moments of my life. And now when I meet famous people, I can normally hold it together. Yeah, I'm going to keep it one. I remember saying to you one time, dude, how do you do this, man? Like, that's freaking Benjamin Bratt right there. And you're not even geeking out, really. You're just like... It's not even a, and you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't geek out. Well, I can hold it together sometimes. But when I met Eddie Murphy, I mean, I just started gushing. I was like, Eddie, I'm so sorry, but I just want to say that like, uh, you were like such an inspiration to me and, 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 and Beverly Hills Cop, I, 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 I got to tell you, it's, I use it as an example all the time because like the bad guys were like legitimately scary, but, and he goes, he goes, who? Bad guy, the bad guys weren't scary. Who? Victor Maitland? And I was like, oh my God, Eddie Murphy just said Victor Maitland to me in a coffee shop. My life has peaked right now. He's like, Victor Maitland? And I'm like, no, not like Victor Maitland. Like, well, I was like the henchman. He goes, yeah, well, the henchman was scary. And then he interrupts me and he goes, stares at me and he goes, anybody ever tell you you look like Anne Hathaway's boyfriend that went to jail? (laughs) And I said, what? He goes, yeah, because I I was watching the news and I was like, that looks like the dude from Scrubs. And I thought, this is the most surreal moment of my entire life. Eddie Murphy is telling, recognize, A, he knows who I am because he knows what Scrubs is. And B, he's trying to figure out if I've been told before that I look like Anne Hathaway's boyfriend. That is hilarious. By the way, the last part of that story, I got to tell you because it's so funny. I go to the Lamez Rob premiere, the movie premiere, and because I love Lamez Rob, as you know. And drink with me. Today's gone by. All right. So. By the way, we'll do a special episode of this podcast where we just sing, sing show Miss, tunes. Sing, sing, okay. sing show tunes. Anyway, I'm walking, and I know Anne Hathaway as an acquaintance, and but and this was right around when all that shit went down with her boyfriend, and I'm I'm walking towards her to say congratulations, and her father stands up, and like gives me this look, like I'm gonna kill this motherfucker. <laughs> He's He's got the balls to crash my daughter's premiere. I'm going to strangle him. And I, and I got within 10 feet of the dude, and then his face just fucking broke, and he went, like, sighed a breath of relief and realized that it was me, not the ex-boyfriend. Oh, man, now you know what black people go through all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think we have a caller, right, uh, Joelle? We do. Welcome, Kayla. Thanks for being here. What's up, Kayla? Hi, Kayla. Hello. Hi. How Hi. are you? I'm good. Start crazy, but good. I hear yeah, you. Yeah, we hear it you. Is, it's crazy times. Well, thank you so much for being our second ever caller. We're very, very excited to have you. We, we can answer any question you have about anything. Well, almost any question, but go well, ahead. Well, mostly Scrubs related. That's about it. That's fair. <laughs> okay, I guess like my first question would be, a lot of shows that premiered at that time had that awkward first season, but for whatever reason, for me as a viewer, Scrubs didn't have that. Was that something that you guys all felt as a cast? Uh, speaking for my, I was just happy to be on television. Uh, when I look back at it now, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Scrubs started off at a high point and it just kept going up from there uh, as far as storytelling goes. And that's really, a you know, you got to give props to Bill Lawrence and his team of writers. Also, you know, the crew and, you know, how they were in line and just ready to go once we started. With so many shows, uh, I agree, Kayla. You you go, um, you can't help but go, especially with pilots. I'm always saying 
to friends and and when you know when you recommend a show, you're like, give it like three episodes because right. you know the pilot's good and everything, but you know there's because the pilots are so hard. You have to introduce so much, so many characters and and the tone and the style and the it's so hard to do a pilot and have it work. So I guess you guys have said this to people too. You're always like, just give it a couple episodes. Whereas I agree, Bill Bill did such an amazing job with with the pilot and, and the first few episodes that he was able to in 23 minutes an episode be able to just launch it. I'm just looking at the at my screen. This one was like 21 minutes or so. Uh, it's just amazing how much got crammed in and, and beautifully woven together. You know, being on the show, I hate to brag about the show, but I think that's what made the show so great. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you didn't have to say give it uh, two or three episodes. By the third episode, though, we were really on fire. You know, we were really telling great stories, but we were telling great stories before that. It just, ju- it, you know, it just elevated even higher after yeah. episode three because we found our groove. I love that because I remember my mom asked me a couple weeks ago, she's like, I need to start something. And I said, you should start Scrubs from the beginning because I know you came in at bits and pieces. She's like, so you don't have an episode for me to start on? I said, no, you start from episode one. I love that. That's, That's so great. awesome. That's great, Kayla. Do you have another question just because um, we're all in isolation and have nothing to do but to talk to you? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so I guess what's so great... Uh, which is funny you say episode three. Episode two is probably my favorite because so many of the show's major relationships are established in that episode. So was that chemistry instantaneous or did that come from filming episodes over the coming weeks? You know what's crazy is that that's how we opened the show today pretty much. We talked about how episode two, it really sets off the journey that a lot of these characters are going to have together. Carla and Turk, Carla and Elliot. Everybody in the hospital and Dr. Kelso, J.D. and uh, Cox, all of these stories are really starting to bubble at this point. You know what I mean? Or starting to, you know, gurgle. Blossom into, yeah, gurgle. gurgle, whatever it is. Gur- sure. If you, I, don't, I don't know if we should use gurgle. But. No, like, you know when like a boiling water starts to come to a gurgle? Isn't that the word? No, it's not. That's... Not what gurgle means. Gurgle You're thinking of gargle. A- not gargle and gurgle are different. I just like saying gurgle. Another big thing was that we all genuinely got along. Like, you know, right. a lot of shows, you're meeting all these new people, just like any job. There's going to be people you don't like. There's going to be people that you do like. We all really clicked. Like, you know, and I'm sure Donald and I have both been on projects since then where it, the magic wasn't there. This was a project where, like, all those people, we were, and the writers, and Bill, and the directors, the crew, we were all friends, and we were all hanging out. We would all go out together. We just really genuinely loved each other. And a a testament to the seven main characters in the show, we all, you know, over eight, nine years, we we had our moments. Of course, just like a family, you'd get in arguments over things. But but for 99% of the time, we all got along really, really, really well. And I think that that shows in in the relationships in in the show, because we... We it loved each other. Transcends. We rooted for each other. If Donald had a moment where he was killing it, like we weren't trying to upstage each other. We were like, go, man, go. Be that you're killing it right now. Like we yeah. we were rooting each other on, you know? Yeah. We definitely were each other's biggest fans at the time, for sure. Well, thank you, Kayla. Thank you for calling in and thank you for uh for being our second ever caller. Yay. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you. Stay right safe out there. Where are you calling from? Are you in California? Or are you you're in Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're on lockdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah so too. are we. So well, are we. Stay safe, Kayla. Stay thank safe. You stay out. healthy. Guys. Yeah. I will thank you. You guys as well. And I, and I want to say, if you want to call in uh, to our podcast here, you're going to send an email to scrubsiheart at gmail.com. Is that right, Joel? 
Okay. Scrubsiheart at gmail.com. And we're going to take a caller every week. I just want to thank everybody for listening. Um, please um, hit us up on our on our social media. On on we're both on Instagram and and Twitter, and you can ask us questions. Tell us what you what you like, what you want more of. Uh, we want you to be have audience participation. So tell us like things that you want to constructive criticism, right, Donald? Yeah, you don't necessarily have to criticize us. But well, constructive could, criticism. You could be like, I'd, I'd like to hear more about this, or I'd like to hear more about that, but don't all of a sudden get on there and be like, just hating. Well, people are going to do that anyway, Donald. It's the interwebs. Nobody likes a hater. I'm just going to keep it real with y'all. What did no you say? One likes oh, haterade. Hater. Don't drink haterade. That's what you used to say. What did Taylor Swift say? Because the haters going to hate, hate, hate. Don't be that. Don't you know what I like, the Taylor Swift lyric? And I'm just like, damn, it's 7 a.m. <laughs> When she's talking about getting trolled early in the morning. I like, got a long list of ex-lovers. That's that's my favorite. That's in and I'm a friend. That might be my favorite. Not that that has anything to do with this show, but that might be my favorite song. All right, listen, uh, you know what my sings. favorite song is, Donald? That I she think, sings. That she sings. You know what my Blank favorite space. song is, Donald? And I think we should go into it right now. It's our theme song that we should say we want to thank you to Charlie Puth, who wrote the music. And Donald and I wrote the lyrics. And I think now is a better time than ever to start singing it. So thank you for listening. Thank you to all the uh, medical person out there, out there who are Absolutely. on the front lines. And Thank and, you so much. And we, we're watching you and we see you and we celebrate you. And this was a show that was always trying and aspired to be a love letter to uh, uh, medical workers. And, uh, and now more than ever, we want to say thank you so much for, for being the heroes of today. Thank you so much. And now let's sing, Donald. Here's some stories about a show we made About a bunch of docs and nurses and a janitor who loved to hate I said here's some stories that we all should know So gather round to hear our Gather round to hear our Scrubs Rewatch Show with Zach and Donald This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, Mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, it's simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. You can learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey guys, I've been telling you about how we are big fans of Tacova's boots. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style. 
and service are some of the best features of Tacovas. But now they also have a gift for our listeners. Tacovas will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And point your toes west. <laughs> 